Commander, we're pinned down by enemy forces. They're flanking us on every side. We need reinforcements, stat. They need to be willing to do anything for our Lord. They need to be willing to be... Radical Christians. One thing the evil sons of God have always demanded from humanity since the dawn of time has been human sacrifice, and even child sacrifice. But those are the old times, right? Wrong. It is here today. What's up, Radical Christians and my Daily Renegade family? Today, we're going to get right into it. This may be the most important episode I've made. This is very, very important. We're going to talk about child sacrifice. Now, the idea from this episode came from that statue of Molech that was erected in the Colosseum. I mean, I'm sure tons of you have saw posts about it on Facebook, but there's a lot more to that than that meets the eye. So, just real quickly, the, the resource material we're going to be using for this episode is The Last Clash of the Titans by Derek Gilbert, Bad Moon Rising by Derek Gilbert, The Holy Bible by the Holy Spirit, and a documentary that was actually removed from YouTube recently called Abortion, Doctrine of Demons. Now, this was made by a group called Created Equal. They're an abortion ministry who goes and talks to moms to try to help them from killing their children. So this video was removed from YouTube. I, I happened to watch it with my mother-in-law and my wife right before it was removed. Now, you can go find this video on Facebook. You type in Abortion, Doctrine of Demons on Facebook. Go watch it. It's important. The time that we have left on this planet is very short, and we need to do everything we can can to save people and save souls. There's very few things in ministry quite as rewarding as actually seeing someone decide to save their child. I haven't been there directly for that. I'd love to be, but you get to see videos of these people created equal going there and actually convincing the mothers to keep their children. And that is actual life saved. And they actually follow up with some of them and you could actually see the kids who are now growing up and they were directly saved by this ministry. Now, for our paid content later, for our Daily Renegade paid content, we're going to go over the, the topics that are in the Gilberts, Sharon, and Derek's next book, Veneration. And we're going to talk about a lot of things in there because a lot of things that are in that book are actually, they stem from a lot of this research. So let's get right into it. This is very important and buckle up. So who is this God that was set up in the Colosseum? This was Molech. Now, it's important when you're looking at these deities and you're looking at ancient gods and all these other beings that you, you have to remember that it's, it's very hard to connect the dots sometimes and you, you do the best you can. Not only do we see through a glass dimly uh, in this realm, we can only see certain things. We're not in the spiritual realm completely. We're in the physical realm. So there's that. Plus, there's the fact that all the, the source material for these beings is propaganda, lies, or exaggerations. So... The, only, the thing you'll have to do is take whatever you find in there, compare it and fact check it against the Bible. And if anything still holds up, if anything holds true after that fact check, then you know that you can actually trust that information. So keep in mind, this isn't some of this stuff isn't completely concrete for you. These connections we're going to make, but it's pretty close. So let's learn about Molech. We actually see him in the book of Leviticus and we see him mentioned by name five times. So we're gonna look at those verses. Our first verse is Leviticus 18.21. It says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. So pass through the fire. Basically, there was huge statues of Molech, and he had horns. Now that's an important fact, and it's also for another episode, but Molech was depicted with horns a lot of times. Now he would have his hands outstretched, and he would be a statue, and then you would put the child on the hands, which were lit on fire, as a, like a, sometimes had a plate, and it would consume the children. And that's how you would offer your children and make them pass through the fire. Now let's look at Leviticus 20, 
2. Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn with Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. So, if you are practicing in the giving of your children to this deity, God would have you cut off right then and there, for obvious reasons. Now, that same thing doesn't happen today, and we'll get into that. So next one is Leviticus 20, verse 3. And I will set my face against that man, and I will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given his seed unto Molech, to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. So any dealings with these other gods would profane Yahweh's holy name, because they were rebellious sons of God that these people were dealing with. Our next verse is Leviticus 24. And if the people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from man when he giveth his seed unto Molech and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech among the people. So what, what God was saying was, if you see somebody offering your children, sacrificing their children to Molech and you do nothing about it, you're cut off. He sets his face against you and your family if you look the other way. That was a, the main, uh, one of the main sins in Sodom and Gomorrah was people were accepting of the evil that was going on, except for Lot because it vexed his righteous soul. So we see two other verses in the Bible that mention this kind of sacrifice to Molech, and it's at a place called Topheth or Tophet. A Tophet was located in Jerusalem and in Gehenna, and this is where worshippers who were influenced by the ancient Canaanite religion engaged in human sacrifice to Molech and Baal by burning people and children alive. So now we're going to see in 2 Kings 23.10, King Josiah put an end to this. It says, And he, King Josiah of Judah, defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, and that's Gehenna, likened to hell in other verses, it says he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. So he knew it was going on. He saw it and he put an end to it. Now in Jeremiah 32, 35, it reads, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came into my mind that they should do this abomination and cause Judah to sin. The valley of the son of Hinnom was also Gehenna, and Gehenna also refers to hell because of this thing. So it was a never-ending fire where sacrifices were burnt nonstop to these gods. So this is the, the first time in the Bible where we see child sacrifice, and it is to Molech and to one of the Baals. So here's the origin, and it is in worship to them, and we're going to get into why they wanted that, possible reasons why they wanted that in a little bit. So the name Molech is based off of the root MLK, and you know there's no vowels in ancient Hebrew, so it could also mean king. MLK could mean king. Now, it could also be interpreted as, as Ma-El-Ok, which means Ma, meaning give, god, or bull, or giver to the bull god or bull priest. And it could also be translated as Mal-Kam, which Ma-El-Kam would, would mean giver to the high god. So the, the bull motif is here, and that also is another episode. So we have a lot of stuff we have to get into to learn, to put these pieces together. But there is a huge bull motif, just as there's a huge serpent motif, goat motif, all throughout the enemy's forces. Now, like we mentioned, Leviticus 18, uh, God forbade the Israelites to give their children as a sacrifice to Molech. Now, the cult of Molech can be traced back at least a thousand years before Moses. And that's where we see a god called Malik, which is basically another, another way to spell Molech, is found from texts at the place called Elba, which we've discussed, which is northern Syria, in between about 3,000 and 2400 BC. And that's about 524 years before Abraham. So in the ancient cultures, even in some cultures today, you would have what's called a theophoric element in your name. So in the name Daniel, the theophoric element would be El. So that refers to God. 
Now, Daniel, the name Daniel means God is my judge. So, out of the 500 or so deities at this place called Elba, one of the most common theophoric elements was Ma-Leek. So, that shows that he was so popular, Molech was so popular, that people were naming their children after him, and it was one of the most popular names to use in the naming of their children. So, all the way up until the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Molech was still worshipped in the Amorite kingdom of Mari. Now, this god Malik, which is basically Molech, he was served by a group of underworld deities called Maliku. And about 500 years later, during the time of the judges, Malik and the Maliku were still venerated at Ugarit. So they were still being worshipped, still being sought after after they died and passed on to the afterlife. They were still being worshipped and provided for. Now, the Ugaritic texts link Malik with a god called Rapiyu, and that means the king of eternity. Now, here's a couple things about the, the name Rapiyu. So, that is the singular form of Rephaim. So, Rapiyu is a singular form of Rephaim. Rephaim are the, the dead kings, the, the basically demonic Nephilim kings that died, and their spirits were still, were, were still worshipped, which is the basis for the book Venerated, which we're going to get into eventually. The second thing we need to look at is that Ugaritic texts connected both Malik and Rapiyu to a place called Ashtaroth. That is a city in Bashan near Mount Hermon. Now we know Bashan is called the place of the serpent. It's at the foot. Of, it's, it's at the base of Mount Hermon, and Rapiyu is described as the god enthroned at Ashtaroth. So Malik and Rapiyu are described as the god enthroned at, Mash, at Ashtaroth, which links those two beings together. Another way to describe him is the the god who rules in Edri, which is another city. Now those two cities are the same cities, Ashtaroth and Edri, where Og, the the last of the Rephaim, mentioned in the Bible ruled over Bashan. So from those two cities. So to the pagan Amorites, the kingdom of Og was literally the entrance to the underworld because it was at the base of, of Mount Hermon. We've gone over that. The entrance to the grotto of Pan and Benias, that was considered in ancient thinking to be the geographical location of the underworld. So the important thing to get from here to sum it up really quickly is Molech is Malik. Malik is Rapiyu. Rapiyu and Malik are referred to as the king of eternity. Now, at these places, Ugarit, Mari, Ebla, and Jerusalem, there hasn't been any archaeological evidence found for sacrifice, but the Bible does mention it happening outside of the walls of Jerusalem. So just because we haven't found it there, the Bible does say it happened. Now, like I said, since Malik slash Molech was connected to Rapiyu, we could possibly connect him to our next ancient god we're going to get into, the Canaanite creator god, El. Okay, so El. Here's the thing with El. He is a prolific, infamous deity in ancient times all the way up till now. He requires an entire study just on him. So he has so many aliases that we're only going to get into about three or four that we need for this study, but that's a whole episode unto itself. Now, one of the, the Canaanite creator God, he was basically a ripoff of our El, El Shaddai, our Yahweh. Um, one of his names was the ancient one. So remember that. So a scholar named Frank Moore Cross suggested that this the inscription that said that called El the ancient one was mistranslated and could easily read El Lord of Eternity. So Rapayu, Mo Molech, the King of Eternity, could be the same being as El, the Lord of Eternity, if that translation is correct. Now even if these beings, El and Molech, aren't directly linked, it doesn't matter because we still need to examine El because of his ties to child sacrifice but there's strong evidence that they're connected. Now, around the same time that worship of Molech stopped, you would see these tofets, these places of sacrifice, show up in Phoenician colonies. 
And they demanded human sacrifice just like Molech. So it's like once that died down, once he was done showing himself as Molech and that died down, he showed up as something else to someone else. And that's a common thing these gods do. Uh, Brian Melvin and I are going to be doing an episode soon. We probably are going to record it tomorrow. But we're going to talk about deific masks. It's basically a face these gods wear to show themselves and deceive a a certain people group. So the, the deific mask or the, the face that El showed a certain people group that we're going to look at first is Baal Haman. Now, Baal Haman is not the, the main Baal of the Bible that you see. That main Baal was the storm god Baal Hadad. Now, Baal Haman is the one we're talking about. Now, Baal, we went over before, it means Lord. Baal Haman means Lord of the Amanus Mountains. Now, that, those, those, that's a mountain range 70 miles north of Mount Zaphon, which was, I believe, Baal Hadad's Mount of Assembly. And that's another episode. We got a lot, a lot of episodes to cover. But basically, Baal Haman's consort, Tanit, was the Carthaginian version of the goddess Asherah. Now, Carthaginian is for the people of Carthage. Now, some have also suggest, suggested that she may be the, the Carthaginian version of Astarte or Anat. Basically, this was another deity posing as XYZ to, to accomplish XYZ. Tanit's name in Carthaginian means serpent. Now, in our Psalms 91 discussion, we saw Tanit or Tanin in there, and that referred to a serpent or dragon. So this deity's name referred to serpent, or it could also be translated as Lady of Bashan. And we know, like I just said earlier, Bashan was the place of the serpent, and it was at the base of Mount Hermon. So both Baal Haman and Tanit required child sacrifice from their worshipers. Now, we're going to look at Jeremiah 7, 30 through 32. It says, For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. And they have built their high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no more be called Topheth, or valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth, because there is no room elsewhere." So God prophesied that, hey, this place is going to be a burial ground for the dead, a a burning, never-ending burning heap of dead, because I want it to be so defiled for what they've already done to defile it. I want this to go down as a horrible place because of your sacrifice you've been doing here. So the Greeks and Romans were disgusted with this whole type of behavior as well. And the first century Greek historian, Diodorus Siculus, wrote in 310 BC about the people of Carthage being defeated by the Sicilian city-state of Syracuse, and their response to being defeated was slaughtering hundreds of their children to their god, because they thought that they upset their god. So, of course, why, why would you not appease them by sacrificing children? It's disgusting and it's vile. So he writes, Therefore the Carthaginians, believing that the misfortune had come to them from the gods, betook themselves to every manner of supplication to the, to the divine powers. They also alleged that Cronus, which is Baal Haman, it says, had turned against them inasmuch as in former times they had been accustomed to sacrificing to this god the noblest of their sons. But more recently, secretly buying and nurturing children, they had sent these to the sacrifice. And when an investigation was made, some of those who had been sacrificed were discovered to have been substitutions. In their zeal to make amends for their omission, they selected 200 of the noblest children and sacrificed them publicly. And others who were under suspicion sacrificed themselves voluntarily and numbered not less than 300. So that's 500 plus people that were sacrificed in public. Nobody stood up to stop them. This happened. And you wonder why these civilizations aren't around anymore. And you wonder where ours is going? 
the same place. Now, Diodorus also describes how these acts were performed. He says, There was in their city a bronze image of Cronus, which is Baal Haman, extending his hands, palms up, and sloping toward the ground, so that each of the children, when placed thereon, rolled and fell into a sort of gaping pit filled with fire. This is vile. A lot of this episode may be hard to stomach, and I'm going to show some graphic images later, a graphic image that we need to see. I'll warn you, you can look away, but you need to see it because it's important, because this is what's going on right now today. So they would, the hands were sloping down, they'd place their child in the hands, and they would roll down into the pit, the burning fiery pit, which would then sacrifice it to this god. I know I, I joke around in these videos a lot, I like to have fun with you guys, and that's 100% real. Um, this is one of those episodes where I can't even really bring myself to do that with this information, because this, this is too important. A, a lot of this stuff is important, but this right here is very timely. That's the difference. This is timely, and we need to do something about it, as in go protest these abortion places. So this modern-day version it doesn't keep happening today, but let's continue. So in a recent analysis of teeth retrieved from 342 burial urns at Carthage, where the largest tofet contains more than 20,000 urns, they found that infants under the age of three months were significantly overrepresented, suggesting that they did not die of natural causes, but were instead sacrificed. So with all the dental records, they found that there was an absurd amount of three-month-old and younger children, which, which there was such an amount that they knew it wasn't natural causes that made them die. So now, to reveal the other two faces of the Canaanite god El, which is possibly Molech, his faces, we're going to do our Who's That Dude segment, okay? So like I said earlier, this information is pretty serious, so it may not be the funnest Who's That Dude segment, but we're going to get the information nonetheless. So, first, the first dude that we're connecting this, this being to, to find out who he is, we need to check out the Roman winter festival called Saturnalia. Now, this festival was about letting loose and dropping all social norms. It was uh, about role reversals. Now, in this festival, the masters would serve the servants, and the servants would disrespect the masters. And a Roman poet named Asonius suggested that the god of this festival, he would accept dead gladiators as offerings. So they would hold games, and the, the gladiators that died, they would be an offering to this god. So again, human sacrifice. Now, the god of this festival had a prophecy spoken over him that said he would be overthrown by his children. So in response to this prophecy, he ended up eating his children as they were born. Child sacrifice. Okay, so the festival is called Saturnalia. Who do you think this deity is? It is the Roman god Saturn. Okay, that's one. That's one of three that we're going to look at right now. Three faces of this same god. So, who is the second face? It's the Greek version of Saturn, who also had a prophecy spoken about him, who also devoured his children, and who also had a festival named after him, except that festival was called Cronia. Who do you think it was? Cronus. It was the Greek god Cronus. Now, Molech is likely connected to El. Now, El for sure is connected to Saturn and Cronus. Okay, now, one of our other episodes, our Who's That Dude segment, we connected Cronus to a certain watcher. Now, the reason why we connected him is because Cr the, the Greek material about Cronus says that he's imprisoned in Tartarus. Now, let's look at 2 Peter 2.4. For if God did not spare the angels having sinned, but having cast them down into Tartarus in chains of gloomy darkness, delivered them, being kept for judgment. That's 2 Peter 2.4. Who is this referring to? This is referring to the, the beings that descended, the 200 watchers that descended on Mount Hermon. Now, who was the, one of the leaders of those 200? Shemiyaza. 
The other one was Azazel, but Shemiyaza we connected to Cronus in the last episode. So that would mean Shemiyaza is a is another deific mask, another aspect of the the Canaanite creator god El, the Phoenician and Carthaginian god Baal-Haman, the Roman god Saturn, and the Greek god Cronus. So why would we go with Shemiyaza? Why would he be the one we connect him to? And the reason for that is he was the one who initiated the oath. Now, before we get into that verse in First Enoch, where he initiates the oath, we're going to take a quick break, a lighthearted break. We're going to talk about the Nephilim Mounds Conference. Okay, so the Nephilim Mounds Conference, Russ Dizdar, L.A. Marzuli, Chief Joseph Riverwind, and me, we're all going to be talking about the Nephilim and their presence in the Ohio Valley. Now, a popular school of thought among the, the researchers in this field is that the giants that were whooped by Joshua in the Promised Land fled in a boat, landed all the way in the Ohio Valley, and started living here and influencing the native peoples here. When you ask the native people who built these mounds, they all say they were here before us. Now, this could explain the huge skeletons that we find in those mounds. Now, you can't go dig them up now because they're on you know Indian burial grounds, like literal Indian property, and they're under a protection act. So, this conference is going to be a great time. There's we all all of us speakers are writing workbook pages for our, our presentations, and we're all compiling them in a workbook that comes with the conference. So you can actually fill out stuff, take notes, and take something home with you. So the conference is March 27th through the 29th. It is $89. There is no live streaming, but there will be DVDs after that you can get. So please pray for this conference. Please pray for all of us speakers dealing with this, these demonic entities. Also keep in mind, all this research is great. All this research is wonderful to learn about and to know. And the goal of it should all be to point you towards God and to glorify God in your life. Now, does do you need to know about the Nephilim mounds in Ohio for your salvation? No, but if that brings glory to God, if that pushes you into a deeper understanding of the Lord's kingdom and it, and it helps you grow more and help others, um, I say that's awesome and you should go for it. I personally have had conversations with people I used to work with about Egyptian pyramids that led to big discussions about God. Um, when I used to listen to Russ Dizdar, L.A. Marzulli, and Steve Quell when I was younger, they were talking about the Watchers, and that led me to salvation. So anything where God is glorified can lead you to salvation. So the material itself isn't the most important thing. But its purpose is important. Guiding people to God, pointing people to God, showing, showing, uncovering the secrets of the world around us. And when you uncover the truth and the secrets of the world around us, guess what? Jesus is truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. They all point to God. So that's the commercial break for the conference. Now, like we're going to get back into Shemiyaza and why we're linking him to Cronus. Now, the reason why he's linked to Cronus is because, like I said, he was the first watcher to come down and make the oath. We see that in 1 Enoch 6, 3-5 where it says, And Shemyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Now Mount Hermon, I believe, is, is its name comes from oath. I think Hermon is another word for oath, and I forget which language. But they all made their oath on that mountain. I think that is when they became fallen. Not when they descended, because watchers and other angels descend on this planet all the time. But when they made this oath, I think they became fallen. Or, or they basically became condemned for what they did. Now, one of these watchers in this group, his name was Kasdasia. Now, guess what he taught? 
He taught how to destroy babies inside the mother's womb. That is 1 Enoch 69.12. Let's look at that. And the fifth was named Kazdeja. This is he who showed the children of men all that all the wicked smitings of spirits and demons and the smitings of the embryo in the womb that it may pass away. So when the watchers came down, they wanted human wives. They wanted worship from humanity. And in exchange, they would give knowledge. Some of this knowledge was how to destroy human babies in the womb. It was abortion, the murder of innocent children. So it's important to not think of these these watchers, these Nephilim, as just biblical superheroes or biblical myths. These were evil, evil, horrible beings. To do this, to teach humanity who didn't know th- these things, to teach them how to abort children, that is completely evil. And then to be a being that's, that's in God's presence all the time, that knows him on a completely different level than we do, and then to do this, that is completely awful. The mo- one of the most evil things that have ever been done on this in, in existence. So always keep that in mind when dealing with these watchers. Now, the way God punished them, because because keep in mind, they started killing God's children. They, they corrupted God's children, and they started literally killing the children in the womb. The way God punished them was for them to watch their own children die. The foul abominations they made, the Nephilim, who always lived evil all the time and just were disgusting, vile creatures. This is what it, is, it says in First Enoch 10 9 through 12. And this is God sentencing them. Or th- this is God dealing with what happened leading up to the flood. It says, And to Gabriel said the Lord, Proceed against the bastards and the reprobates, and against the children of fornication, and destroy the children of fornication and the children of the watchers from amongst men, and cause them to go forth. Send them one against another, that they may destroy each other in battle. For length of days shall they not have, and no request that they, their fathers, Make of thee shall be granted unto their fathers on their behalf, for they hope to live an eternal life, and that each one of them will, will live five hundred years. And the Lord said unto Michael, Go, bind Shemyaza and his associates who have united themselves with women, so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness. And when their sons have slain one another, and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, bind them fast for seventy generations in the valley valleys of the earth, till the day of their judgment and of their consummation till the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated. Now, he charged them with seeing their their children die too. Now, this 70 generations thing, I tried to do the math on this to see when that would be up. I think Tom Horn believes it was up in two, uh, 2012. Um, basically, this 70 generations, this, this 70 generations basically is pretty much over with. Now, when you look at technology for humanity, around late 1800s, there was a boom in technology, industrial revolution. And then when you look at just from the 60s on, computers and all that, boom, a surge of, of, of technological advancement. That would fall in line with these, these beings who brought knowledge being released back onto the earth. And guess what else is back? Stronger than ever. There's been a slight decline over the last couple of years of the stats of this, but it's abortion. So abortion is in the forefront of our culture, just like it was back in these cultures. So let's get into the, uh, the uh, abortion st- statistics that I wanted to show you. Now, I'm going to put up a graphic image. This is to show you that fetus, when they change the name of something, it's to desensitize you to it. When you, when you change the name of some, somebody, you vilify them and you dehumanize them. So when you change the name of an unborn child to a fetus, you no longer are calling it a child. When you change the, the, the act of murder into abortion, you're changing the terms. You're changing how it's perceived. So let's look at some abortion stats. And I know the image is graphic, but it's important. And you know what? 
I'm going to look at the image too while I do this. All right, so I have the Im I have the image pulled up, and as you can see, that is a complete human face. It's been annihilated by those pinchers they insert into the mother and clip the baby and pull it out. It's horrible. It's sad, and that's happening by the millions. So let's get into some of these stats. So according to the, the Guttmacher Institute, an estimated 862,320 abortions took place in the United States in 2017. Now that's down from 926,240 in 2014. So in 2017, almost 900,000 children were aborted. That's one year. Now, in 2015, approximately 35% of all pregnancies in New York City ended in abortion. And that's excluding spontaneous miscarriages. So 35% of all the human pregnancies in New York City ended in abortion. 35%. That's from the CDC. Now, approximately 60 million legal abortions have occurred in the United States since 1973. So when these beings brought abortion, God showed up and dealt with them. When the enemy tried to, tried to influence Herod to have all the children killed so Jesus wouldn't be born, God showed up and dealt with them. Now in our day, 60 million legal abortions have occurred in the United States since 1973. God's coming back. God's coming back quick, soon. Because this, you know, in, in Genesis, it talks about Abel's righteous blood calling out to the Lord. How much, how much righteous blood do you think 60 million innocent children cries out to the Lord? for justice. Next, we're going to look at the cnsnews.com article. It says, in 2012, there were more black babies killed by abortion in New York City than were born. 31,328 African-American children were killed by abortion, and 24,758 black children were born. And 42.4% of all the abortions in New York City were African-American families. Now, it's not a coincidence that Planned Parenthood and abortion facilities are put in, in low-income areas. And it's no coincidence that Margaret Sanger, who, you know, started Planned Parenthood, was a eugenicist. There's many quotes with her talking about exterminating the black race. You can go look that up. It's in her book. Um, I, I, put a, I put a picture of that quote, and all these people on my friends list uh, a couple years ago started coming after me and, and then debating it and it's like how can you debate straight up facts it's insane how can you debate that go look at it the leader of Planned Parenthood the the initiator the basis for it was a eugenicist which is basically carried over from the Nazis which which was racism hated the black people and now look they're placed all these Planned Parenthoods are now placed in low-income homes and more black babies were aborted than born in New York that's not a coincidence. That's an all-out attack against that people group. Humanity as a whole, but that people group especially with, with these stats. Next, we're going to look at the Washington Examiner article. Forrest Smith, an obstetrician gynecologist who performed abortions in California, testified not only that Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics were selling aborted baby parts for profit, but babies were often born alive and then murdered in order to ensure the organs to be, to be sold were more fresh and intact. Smith said that he had done at least 50,000 abortions, testified that based on what he saw in the videos and what he knows about the abortion industry, he believes doctors performed abortion procedures so that babies would be born alive, even though it puts their mother at greater risk. So there is a dark underbelly to all this abortion, as you, if you can imagine an even darker side of it, where they're selling these parts 
for science, for, for whatever purposes. They're selling these parts of these children and they're making them be born alive, which can kill the mother so they can get a better chance to harvest them. That is pure evil. Go watch Abortion Doctrine of Demons. Type that in on Facebook. Go watch it. You see the full evil satanic agenda to abortion. We're going to get in that. First, let's talk about Dave Daladin. He was, I believe, the one who exposed the videos of, of Planned Parenthood, showing them talking about, yeah, you know, we do sell these parts. You know, basically them getting exposed. He exposed their, their dirty business of buying and selling fetal parts and organs. They prosecuted him for exposing them, and the jury ruled that he was to pay 125000 in damages, among other people who also had to pay. I found out after I recorded this episode that Planned Parenthood was actually owed $2.3 million in damages from this lawsuit. That is horribly disgusting that they got rewarded for selling human baby parts and being exposed. But that's the world we live in. So they, they sued him. They said, hey, you, you, you drove out our business. And this corrupt, evil, vile jury sided with Planned Parenthood, children murderers, and he had to pay 125000 Now that's a, that's a small price to pay for exposing them. But still, that, that, that could destroy your life. And I pray that God has him and takes care of him for what he did. So now, the Reproductive Health Act. This legalized abortion at any time when necessary to protect a woman's life or health. This also allowed licensed healthcare practitioners other than physicians to perform abortions if doing so falls within their lawful scope of practice. According to CBS New York, the act also repealed criminal charges for harming children in the womb, but not for harming pregnant women. So this is, this is, here's the catch with this. When necessary to protect a woman's life or health, you know what they consider health? Mental health. If you're stressed about having a kid, you can legally have it aborted all the way up to third trimester. If you are, are feeling depressed about having a kid, you can abort it all the way up to third trimester. And they also repealed criminal charges for harming children in the, the womb. They repealed that. They said, hey, we don't want it to be a criminal thing to kill an, an, an unborn child in the womb. Okay, that's ageism. You're killing something because it's younger than you. You're killing something because it's smaller than you. You're killing something that's alive. It's it. Science overwhelmingly states that life starts at conception. But, you know, these people don't care about science. They say they do. They don't. Now, let's get into the satanic aspect of this. And this is all from the, from the video abortion doctrine of demons so one of the satanic tenets says one's body is inviolable subject to one's own will alone so a lot of these satanists support abortions now with satanists you get you get one of two groups people who straight up worship satan and people who worship themselves under the guise of satan they basically say oh for us satanism is doing doing what thou wilt doing doing whatever we want and and Satan is the divine rebel in the biblical myths they call it so so we align with him so you have those two groups now Genesis 9 4 states that the blood of a person or an animal is its life it says but you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood blood is an integral part of all satanic rituals it's a huge part of it and abortion is extremely bloody so this falls in line with these Satanists and why they support abortion so much and doing what they will and they say that they're not religious but they completely are. And the ones that aren't, they, they serve autonomy. They serve themselves. So they're indirectly serving Satan. The others are straight up serving Satan. Now, doing something as vile as a human sacrifice opens a, a doorway. In, in the Bible, it's called a topas, which is a foothold. Which means, like I said before, when you pull a stone out of a castle wall, you could place your foot in there and you could scale the wall and attack who's inside. Now, God works on authority and these demons have to have an authority to get to you. When you do something like that, you open the gates wide open for these demons to come through into this realm and also empower or demonize the people involved. 
So either empower them to be super soldier type beings or demonize them and just totally like 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 possess, oppress, all that kind of stuff. Now, the, the shedding of blood, especially innocent blood, may in fact be a source of supernatural power or demonized energy, like I mentioned. So now, one of the things that I've heard and haven't researched too much into is that the elite in this country, you know they're being exposed for pedophilia and all that stuff, and that's going to come out very soon with all this Epstein stuff, come on. Like, like all this stuff that, that us researchers have known for years and try to talk about, now it's coming out in, in mainstream media, and, and praise God for that. But um, what I hear is that they have a drug of choice, and that is adrenochrome, which is adrenaline being released in the bloodstream. And it, they say it, it can it has different properties. It can get them high. It can, it can revitalize them. I don't know all the details, and I'm only saying this not to give you some half-concocted thing, but so you can go look into it. Because I didn't look into that for this, but that's something that's out there. Now, where else do we see sacrifices? In modernity. Bohemian Grove. So, a, a lot of us saw Alex Jones' video exposing Bohemian Grove. Um, for those that don't know, get ready to have your mind blown. Because this goes on. This is well documented. You can find all this information. The Bohemian Club's all-male membership includes artists, musicians, as well as many prominent business leaders, government officials, former U.S. presidents, social media executives, and people of power. So the people who run this country and run the world are going to Bohemian Grove. Now at Bohemian Grove, they have what's called the creation of care ceremony. It's a theatrical production where they sacrifice a human, which is they call the spirit of care, and he's and he's the, their hero sacrifices him and he's cremated, and it's it's supposed to be a, a sort of cathartic release. It's supposed to from all their decisions they have to make as world rulers and leaders and all that. It's supposed to basically symbolize them killing the part of them that cares or the part of it that, that would weigh on them. And it was also meant to exercise the demon to ensure success for their plans they were doing. Now, what I believe it does and what many other people believe it does, this demonically empowers them. You know how in, in Egypt, the Pharaoh would have to be indwelt by Ra? So I think this is a is an actual human sacrifice. Russ Dizdar believes it's an actual human sacrifice. Alex Jones believes it's an actual human sacrifice. That opens a doorway and boom, the demons rush into these world leaders. Now, let's say this was fake. Let's say this was a fake sacrifice. This is documented and there's video that, that this goes on. And you can see the video of the actual thing and you can hear it. If it is a mock sacrifice, why are the leaders of the world going to a mock human sacrifice? If it's fake, why are they going to that? Would you ever go to a mock human sacrifice? That's horribly evil. That's crazy. Why would you go to that? But they do it. They do it every year. There's also a ton of homosexual stuff that goes on there. But that's the world we live in. And guess what? Guess what uh, Alex Jones thinks that, that, that this ritual is? He calls it an ancient Canaanite, Luciferian, uh, Babylonian mystery religion ceremony. And he believes that this is Molech they're worshiping, this owl. Now, it's a big owl statue, and, and it represents wisdom. But he believes it's Molech. Now, could it be Molech like, at, being worshipped in a different way? It's child sacrifice. It fits the bill. So either way, why are they going to this? You know, so now modern Molech. Okay, so back to the whole point of this episode, or the whole start of this episode, not the point, but the start. Now, stationed at the entrance of the Colosseum in Rome is a statue of Molech that you have to walk by to go in. You have to basically symbolically bow to it by walking by it. You don't have to literally bow, but you are you have to walk by it to enter the Colosseum. Now, the Colosseum is a sacred site because of all the Christian martyrs that died there. Okay, and that's no mistake that they're there. Now, they're saying this is a celebration of Carthaginian culture and art. So, you're going to celebrate the deity and the culture that was all throughout the Bible's child sacrifices. 
children were sacrificed to this being. That's how he was served. So you're going to celebrate this person. Okay? Some say that the Vatican set this up. I don't know that for sure. But this this construction of this deity of Molech, he's from a 1914 silent film called Kabiria. And, and this may not be how the actual deity looked like, but the, the point is it's there and it's it's an agreement. They're in agreement that this is representing Molech. So this will run all the way till March 29th, 2020. And the Roman stadium was declared a sacred site in 1749 by Pope Benedict in an official church policy. One of the Pope Benedicts. So this is a pagan god set up at a, at a spot where Christians were brutally tortured and killed. So that's happening today. So in conclusion, let's paint the whole picture. We see in ancient times, the rebellious sons of God, the ones who, who fell away, leading humanity astray in the garden, introducing sin to the world. We see them coming down on Mount Hermon, taking wives, defiling flesh, their flesh with these wives and creating monstrous offspring. We see them bringing down knowledge. We then see them teach abortion and how to kill children in the womb to humanity. So God punishes them for what they did and has them watch their sons die. Now, the, the demonic spirits of their sons, which are demons, they, are, they have been influencing mankind since the beginning to keep serving these gods, even though, even though they're in prison, a lot of them are, to keep serving them through child sacrifice and now into modernity through abortion. Now, this is an ongoing revenge against God, killing God's children because they had to watch their children die, even though they started it. So, over the, over the years, these beings have gone by many names, Molech, El, Saturn, Kronos, Shemiyaza, and now they go by the name Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. So let's get into why this matters. Christians have the power to change the world around us, okay? Ultimately, the ending is going to happen. The man of lawlessness will come. The, the whole end times destruction will come. It will be times like no other that will happen. But we are called to expose and destroy the works of darkness all the way up until the end. That's our mission all the whole way through. So Christians can influence and change things. Now, times where Christians changed abortion. In the Abortion Doctrine of Demons video, um, Peter Singer, who's actually an atheist and an influential bioethicist, he says that Romans thought infanticide the natural and humane solution to the problem posed by sick and deformed babies. The change in Western attitudes to infanticide since Roman times is like the doctrine of sanctity of human life, a product of Christianity. So basically what he's saying is, Romans basically, they thought, oh, we could just abort these babies or, or kill these babies after they're born to solve sick and, and sickness and deformity. And he's saying the influence of Christianity and, and the importance on the sanctity of life led them away from that. Now, where else do we see that? In the gladiatorial games and gladiators. So St. Telemachus was a monk who, according to Christian historian, Theodora tried to stop a gladiatorial fight in a Roman amphitheater and was stoned to death by the crowd. The Christian emperor, Honorius, however, was impressed by the monk's martyrdom and it spurred him to issue a historic ban on the gladiatorial fights. The year of his death was 391 BC and the last known gladiatorial fight in Rome was on first, the 1st of January, 404 AD. So I'm sorry, both those dates were AD. So 13 years after that man's death for standing up for what was right, the gladiatorial games were ended. Now, this is what's going on today. This is still going on. What will you do about it? Okay, will you go and, and protest? Will you spread the news? Go watch that video. You know, do something. We all got to do something. I have to do something. Donate to these ministries that are going out there and doing it. If you can't go out there and do it. This is a call to action. I pray to God everyone, you know, gets a, a, a pull in their spirit towards doing something 
to stop this kind of thing. Okay, so now we're gonna get into our paid content. Our paid content this week, we're gonna go over some of the topics in the veneration book coming out. And if you're not a, ma- a member, Daily Renegade donates to three ministries and a children's cancer hospital. Spend your money on something that matters, something that feeds back into the kingdom. You know, we're trying to build a platform that doesn't have to use YouTube. YouTube just changed their policies to to enable them to make more censorship decisions. But guys, the time is getting shorter and shorter. I love you guys. Lead more to Christ. And just thank you guys. God bless.